Hey, everybody, we are back here on the Destro Show. You're listening to Cabin Radio. And once again, I have the very great pleasure to have my friend here from British Columbia. We have Marty Mad Dog Sugar. How are you, Mad Dog? I'm good, Des. How you doing, brother? Oh, man, I'm having a great week uh, here. The Northern Film community has been great. Things are just popping here for the program. And I'm getting ready to go see Dolph Ziggler do stand-up comedy this week in Edmonton. So I'm excited. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, man, yeah. So we talked about this. We've been chatting now about about your role in wrestling. And just to catch people up here listening, uh, Marty is a promoter and a longtime professional wrestler out of British Columbia here um, on the indie scene. So I'm talking to Marty. We've been chatting about booking and how people get used and handled in pro wrestling. So most notably right now in the main um, WWE scene, we're seeing uh, in the women's division, which is quite possibly you know building up to be the, the main event of WrestleMania, Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship. How are you feeling about the way they, they are using Becky here, building this up? Well, I think the thing with Becky I found is um, ever since Steve Austin was popular, they wanted to create a new Steve Austin, and they have failed miserably every time. And I uh, I was looking back at this and just thinking back in my mind, even back as far as like 15 years ago, they tried to make John Cena the first Steve Austin. Um, I don't know if you remember back then, fans that watched back then, when John Cena was the Dr. Thugonomics, he was a heel. Yeah. And then leading into Survivor Series, because Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar were feuding over the title on SmackDown, Paul Heyman basically told John Cena, join our team or else. And John Cena's like, I don't get told by anybody to do anything. And then John Cena joined the Babyface team, and there was a very noticeable episode of SmackDown back then that was like a turning point. And it was talked about a lot back then in the dirt sheets and on the internet where Chris Benoit made the save on uh, John Cena leading like the week before SmackDown. And John Cena was supposed to give the attitude adjustment back then called the FU, um, but give the attitude adjustment to Benoit afterwards to get this idea across that he was the next Steve Austin, that he was his own man and he did what he wanted. And the WWE panicked and didn't pull the trigger. And it created... I mean, John Cena became a huge star, but it created years of him being kind of this wishy-washy, some like him, some don't thing, which worked in the end. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, Randy Orton, ever since he was called the Viper, they tried to make him Steve Austin, and he doesn't have the right dynamic to be a Steve Austin. He's not the no-nonsense everyman. He's the aging frat guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. He's the guy that, he's your realtor that seems like a nice guy, but you know that, you know, a couple drinks in, he's a total D-bag, right? Um But that's that's the Randy Orton character. Randy Orton's not a Steve Austin, right? Um, but now they finally have that Steve Austin character where she... It's really hard in modern-day WWE to be a Steve Austin. Steve Austin became a star in the WWE organically. Yeah. Um, he was never supposed to be a star. He won King of the Ring because Triple H is in the doghouse for that stupid curtain call thing. Yeah, That exactly. was the year Triple H supposed to win King of the Ring. They gave it as Steve Austin. It was supposed to mean nothing. He cut that Austin 316 promo, and the next day his career exploded, and Vince McMahon was like, oh my God, we got something here, which they don't even do in the WWE anymore. Uh, if you remember the CM Punk pipe on promo, I hate CM Punk, but that pipe on promo was one of the best promos ever. Yeah. And they ruined that whole angle. The reason they ruined that angle is because WWE is a TV show. So TV writers were like, yeah, this is great, but we have Alberto Del Rio winning the title in three weeks, so we got to burn through this now. And they killed it, and they ruined it. And Stan Punk got more bitter than he already was because he's always been bitter, and then he quit. 
Yeah. Right? So, I mean, they've always wanted to do these things. And even with CM Punk, they tried the Steve Austin thing. It failed because the writers killed it. They finally have it. They finally have a wrestler that has organically become a star. I'm not entirely sure they know how to handle that. I mean, they're they're hiring creative people now that don't even know wrestling or TV. Like, they've hired the Ultimate Warrior's wife to be creative now. Like, it doesn't even make sense. I don't know. Is she on the creative team? That's weird. Yeah, they, she asked. I, I just read the story actually right before you called me. Dana Warrior asked for a job, and Vince McMahon said, "Oh, where would you like to work?" And she goes, "I think I'd be good and creative." And he was like, "Okay, like what? What? It doesn't even make. That's literally what just happened." Oh <laughs> so, no! Oh no! That? I said, "Oh no, man! There, the like, other companies are making big moves here, and you're gonna give Dana Warrior." A That's show? what I don't. Oh. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't get it. Um. I don't dislike the storyline right now. It is where Charlotte's been added to the mix because she's the company player. It is it is a very much an obvious rehash of the Daniel Bryan situation. Yeah. Um, which I'm not overly against because people have short term memories now, so they'll totally be fine with that. Um, I like it. I, I I'm I, I've known Becky since she was a kid. She used to work here in Vancouver. Right after she got trained with uh, with Finn Balor, she came to Vancouver and worked for ECCW. She was only sixteen or seventeen. Shy as could be, skinniest thing you've ever seen in your life. Um, used to do this amazing scream every time she wrestled. It was wow. totally insane. That's awesome. Um, could never. Un- She's so Irish. I can never understand a word she said. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I was just a green kid then and barely worked. But I didn't have a lot of interactions there. But I've known her for forever, and it's nice to see. My issue with her is that she's finally just like Steve Austin. She's finally hitting the peak, and injuries are going to end her career sooner rather than later. Um, that knee injury was it. Oh, it's not as bad now. It is bad, and she's had a couple of other major injuries. I feel bad for these guys that hit their stride, and then their body's like, "Well, that's enough." And I feel like she's kind of going to be in that situation. I feel like this: if she does win the belt at WrestleMania, it'll be like when Steve Austin again kind of finally won the belt, got the smoking skull, lost the belt, and then his career kind of went on a slow roll from there to the end. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, and this is the pace we're talking about now as we're looking at is the WWE is working people 300 days a year doing these house shows, um, and you're looking at these people like they're burning out before they can even get there, you know? Yeah, and they're working aggressively. They're working aggressively. We mentioned that the last time that I think the indie wrestling style doesn't work in the WWE. Indie wrestling style is way more aggressive, way more hard. I wrestled twice this weekend, and I am in agony. I can't. I couldn't go... Like I, I hurt my ribs on Friday, wrestled again on Saturday, and hurt my ribs some more. They're not broken; they're just sore. Right. I would be expected. I would be expected to work Saturday. Uh, I did the Saturday. I'd be expected to work Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and if I was lucky, I'd maybe get Thursday off. And I'd be like, "But I'm hurt." Well, yeah, we don't. And I'm I'm, I'm the champ right now, so I'd be in a major storyline. I'd be like, "You're not taking the day off, Marty." You that's Because if I complained, I wouldn't be the champ anymore. And that's it, right? And so that's and and you want to work and you want to push yourself as hard as you can. Because in the industry, mm-hmm. you want to be noticed, you want to be out there, and you want to be dependable. So it's a real yeah. taxing, taxing thing. I can already see it on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. And sadly, sadly, part of Becky's big push is because she got that concussion from Naya and was livid that she was getting pulled from TV. 
Yeah. And it kind of organically made her this badass star, which is what they've been trying to create for so long. And then it just happened with someone that they never really, I don't think they ever really wanted Becky to be a big star. It's always supposed to be about Charlotte yeah. and then Rhonda and Bliss. But Alexa Bliss is hurt. Um, and there's rumors that Alexa Bliss might be done. I mean, I've seen her working on videos, but I don't I don't know if she's going to be ring ready again for a while. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, I mean, I want I want Becky to succeed. I absolutely want Becky to succeed. I hope that this whole thing plays out with her at the end of the show, standing tall with the belt. Um, I just hope that's the way it ends up, man. I hope that she can physically do it. And that's it, right? Because yeah, we got to think about the long view too, right? But now, talking about WrestleMania here, just on Raw recently, we saw the return of a pretty big player from the past in Dave Batista, and he's been very vocal about him wanting to come back and work a program with Triple H for WrestleMania, and it's obviously what we're looking at now. Uh, how do you feel about this, man? You know what? I think it's awesome. Um, I like Batista. Uh, the biggest thing I like about Batista, um, when Batista started, uh, he started so late in his career, yeah, and uh, he, still, he still became a star. He worked very hard. Uh, Triple H, initially Triple H worked really hard to get him over. And then once he got over, he busted his butt to stay over. And he he slowly but surely learned new moves and got better in the ring and became a better promo. And now, even as an actor, you see his first movies he did as an actor, and he was ho-hum. Whereas, like, The Rock was very quickly became very charismatic as an actor. Batista has very slowly become a solid actor. Like, not a big, not a big Arnold Schwarzenegger-type presence, but, like, a really good character actor. Yep. And... Same as wrestling. When he came back and got won the Royal Rumble and took the spot from Daniel Bryan and everybody lost their minds and everybody hated his guts, he took that in stride. He um, he played it so well. He, uh, he did the job to Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania so beautifully, right? I mean, he tapped out to a man less than half his size. And then with the when Evolution just got their butts handed to them by um by roman reigns and company um and then he just when he walked out when he did the little wave and the temper tantrum and left it was yeah. great they, uh, batista's amazing in the role that he has now and him feuding with triple h is awesome because it's it's a it's a feature match off to the side yeah um where it's not like oh my god daniel oh oh dave batista's fighting for the WWE title and why so the fans aren't going to complain they're, they're not tying see... up they're not tying up the young guys right i like that no exactly and it's not and it's not a it's not a tie up where it wouldn't matter if it was a tying up the young guys where they're going to put uh put the young guy over right but triple h and batista can go out and fill a good 10 15 minutes of wrestlemania you know the match will be good um and yeah, and it's and it's going to bring in those fans that are kind of a lot of fans nowadays, which would be a part you want to talk about later. I know a lot of fans. There's not big stars anymore, really. There's only a couple. So yeah. the fact that you've got two names from the past, and the big thing is two names from the past that can still go. Everyone's complaining the Undertaker's not coming back. The man's in his fifties and has had multiple hip surgeries. He needs to be left alone. Yes. So you can't you can't bring back the Undertaker. You can't bring back The Rock to wrestle because his ex wife and manager said no more wrestling when he nearly tore himself in two the last time he wrestled John Cena, right? So you've got very limited number of established old stars left, and the fact that Batista's willing to come in on a break between movies, have a match and a little mini feud with Triple H, pop that WrestleMania buy rate. I think it's awesome. Absolutely. And this is something when Deacon, when Batista came out as Deacon Batista with Devon, I remember the first time we saw him on SmackDown, we were freaking out about 
when is this guy going to be the champion, right? Like, when is when when are they going to give him the tools? Because he was always very imposing, very, very imposing. And now to see him come around, which is funny you brought up his acting, though. I feel the exact opposite in that I think it took The Rock, I think it took Dwayne Johnson a good lot of films to find his place, a lot of films to sort of get there. Even though as much of a fan as Dwayne as I am as The Rock, he is very charismatic. I think that just his pacing or the writing wasn't clicking. But for to see Drax the so? Destroyer, I think so. So so to see Drax the Destroyer smash it out of smash that performance in Guardians of the Galaxy, he was the most one of the most memorable characters of that film. That into the point of part two being the comedy. You know what I mean? So I, I always thought that, like you said, Batista's character has always been the strongest part of him. You know what though? I'll, I gotta argue, I gotta argue on that one because the rocks. Okay, the rock did the Scorpion King. The Scorpion King was just horrible. That's not fair. Yeah. But his second movie, his second movie was be cool. He was the only good part of that movie. Oh no! Absolutely, absolutely. And then and then that's and great that's too. He was like, oh, this this guy's not just because most wrestlers when they do movies are just the stereotypical meathead that gets very limited words because pro wrestlers are better at improv promos than than reading scripted lines which is as we, every wrestler now with WWE promos we can all attest to that but yeah I mean the, uh, I, I thought The Rock took off I mean The Rock found his niche pretty quick as the guy who who saves franchises as a Arnold Schwarzenegger level of uh, action hero well I'm thinking of things like The Rundown you know what I mean like movies like that that he was kind of like alright you know and then you're still kind of seeing it with like the Jumanji and stuff like, I like the one, was it Snitch? I think that was one. He's had some really good movies. Don't get me wrong. That's for sure. Be Cool was... Are you talking about Are you talking about the rundown, the one with uh, the Stifler dude from yeah. American Pie? Yeah. That movie was great. What are you talking about? That movie was awesome. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, we're okay. built. We're built into a WrestleMania match now. You keep knocking down the rundown. I tell you that much. <laughs> I think so. I think this is going to be the biggest feud going into WrestleMania right here for sure. That just started organically. <laughs> so, so, oh man, that's great. So now going back to where we 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 touched on it before, um, you know, as yourself as a, as a booker as a promoter now, we don't see like the stars coming out. Like like right now, let's say this was the this is the feud. You know, Mad Dog versus the Destro. And we're building up for this feud now. And we actually have a match. And you would go over. But then, in, as we've seen in WWE now, where there would be a second match. And then I would tie it up and there would be a third to sort of draw it on. But I would just love to see it where you just continuously beat me. Maybe I get closer to it. But I definitely want one person to be the dominant and go over. I think we could both kind of reach the fans telling that story. I, I know what you're saying, and the problem is is that, in all honesty, this type of uh, parody booking, and on Steve Austin has uh, rallied against it for forever. He hates it, um, but Steve Austin is also very old school. The reason why parody booking started, really, is you have to blame them in the Monday Night Wars, because when the Monday Night Wars happened between WCW and WWE, WCW took all the big names and we're killing it in the ratings, and WWE literally had nobody, right? right? And they started creating all these stars, and it came to a point on Monday Night Raw, and the reason they did that, and it worked during the Monday Night Wars, everybody was a star, right? Right. From Val Venus was a star. Ty and Ty were stars. Yep. I mean, like the Hardy Boys, the Hardy Boys who were, who were squash guys, 
were, became stars, right? Everybody got a chance to be a star because they needed it because they they needed to basically basically the WWE went from being the dominant force to the underdogs, and everybody needed a storyline, and everybody got a storyline. That's one of the things that one of the good things Vince Russo created that also then became an ugly thing because now now there is no competition. You can kind of have different levels of stars. And instead, they still have this booking idea that, well, we've got to keep everybody relevant. So I'll win one this time and you win one that time. The problem is now is that everybody's kind of just equal. Yes. Um, but in real sports, in real sports, they want parity. The, the, I've argued about this before with football. The NFL does not like when teams go 14-2 and two and other teams go 1-15. and 15. Because that one in fifteen team is losing money, and they're not people selling. Are not, yeah, people, the locals, right? If the if the Seattle Seahawks go one in fifteen, the Seattle market is not watching television. I they're hear turning you. those games off, yep. right? And that's that's how that's how the Winnipeg Jets folded because they sucked, and the fans were like, "I am not going to watch this garbage." Team. Oh well, well, there's so many people. We got a lot of people in Winnipeg that hey, let's the take these on Winnipeg. They're mad dog. We don't want to start. But you know what I mean? Yeah, now, I know what you no, mean. But then they brought it back. But back <laughs> in the day, the Winnipeg Jets, the Winnipeg Jets were horrible, and people did not show up. People didn't show up. So then, like with hockey, you don't show up at the arena. Then the show, then the game is blacked out on TV. So now there's no TV income, yeah. etc. Et and so, in reality. Parody is not a bad thing in in real sports. Yeah. Um, but you know, in fighting sports, it does kind of ruin things. You see that with the UFC. So many guys will win a championship and lose it the very next time. And people are like, well, that guy's whatever. Like they, the UFC puts their hype machine behind a champ that can't defend a belt because everything's so even. So it kind of ruins things there too. Um, yeah, parody booking has been pushed to the point where it shouldn't happen anymore. But uh, it's just the way they it's just the way they do things. We have to do it on the we have to do it on the independent scene because you gotta keep every again, you gotta make sure everyone's a star so people wanna see everybody. Right. No, very true. And I think I think the biggest thing, the biggest argument against against parody booking then in that sense is Brock Lesnar and the fact that the guy just is the the man for WWE and they're not budging apparently. Um I, the thing with Brock is that I don't know. I don't even know. <laughs> Brock Lesnar is such a weird anomaly. But then that's not parody booking, right? Brock Lesnar comes out, kicks everyone's butt, leaves. Exactly. So, I mean, so that's, that's the alternative. Is that do you want, so you don't like parody booking, but do you want more Brock Lesnar's? I would love a Brock Lesnar if he was there every week. If there was a Brock Lesnar, if there was like a, what they could have done with Braun Strowman made him into this person that was physically capable of beating Brock Lesnar. But now they've just cemented him as number two always. You know, if they're not going to let him beat I Brock. I don't, even, I don't even think they've cemented him as number two. I think they cemented him as about a number four. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying, but un- under, right? Under Lesnar. The big man who can't beat the other big man. The problem with that, though, is that the reason why Braun Strowman got knocked down is because, as, as seen previously, those two can't really work together. Yeah. The, the three-way with Kane, where if Kane wasn't there, Braun Strowman probably wouldn't be wrestling anymore. Yeah, <laughs> the one where the one where he tried to cave in Brock's head, and Brock got up and said, "Oh, did you wanna did you wanna fight now?" Yeah, is this, are we gonna hit each other for real yeah. right now? Yeah, yeah. And then Kane came over and said, "Hey, are you done?" Yeah, you yeah. Get back to the match. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Pay attention, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Right? Can we get back into this here? Awesome, awesome, man. Yeah, that was 
That was, and I think that's why I don't, I don't, I think maybe as long as Brock's champ, I think Braun might be a distant three because it didn't work, right? Yeah. Speaking of Brock being champ, guys don't click. Do you see Rollins? Uh, do you see Rollins beating him at Mania? Man, I don't know. Um, I think now I've just read that apparently Brock wants to go do MMA again, um, which I thought he was suspended still, but. Who knows? Well, no, because I know um, that he's been fight. He's been doing this with, with Daniel Cormier there. They've been teasing it for a good while now. So I thought that was going to be the next step. That's why I thought Brock was stepping down. Uh, but apparently he just hasn't. He's just, like, he, WWE just keeps paying him absurd amounts of money to, to be their star. Yeah. Well, Vince McMahon gets in his head what he believes are certain guys that are stars. And he wants to keep those guys. It's why he brought his son back. Yeah. He believes Shane McMahon is a, he believes Shane McMahon is a draw. Um, I I can't really argue against that because when because Shane does kind of when Shane gets in there he brings it it's it's reckless sometimes but he he you've never seen a match where you don't talk about the Shane McMahon match afterwards right right exactly <laughs> and that shooting star press he did too I thought that was really nice it's it's crazy the guy's like in his fifties and lost three quarters of his intestines but yeah sure let's do shooting star presses. <laughs> <laughs> Man, speaking of, just really quickly, just to end this off here, uh, the most infamous shooting star press in WWE history, in my in my opinion, WrestleMania 19, Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle. <laughs> See, now, Brock, I've seen the clips from OVW, right? I've seen, we know Brock Lesnar can do a wicked shooting star, but the, mm-hmm. the momentum, there was definitely a misunderstanding of depth perception. I think he just got too eager and wanted to make it too big of a spot. But, like, Imagine. Let's and play they the were exhausted. Yeah, and they were, they were exhausted, exhausted too. They'd already been arrested for what twenty five minutes, and then he tries to shoot and start press. So now it's like, dude, you guys have been going, you've been going balls out for this long, and now you're gonna try. It's, Brock was crazy back then. I mean, he's a different crazy now. He's still crazy. I mean, his first day back when he got re-signed, he picked up a couch and threw it at the Miz. <laughs> I mean, the guy's insane. Right. So, yeah, it was nuts. But that's um, it. So, like, I'm wondering now, but what if? Because that was obviously, they had that in the back pocket. Because they seen him in OVW. He did it. You know, that was his move. The, the shooting star press. So, they were saving that for his WrestleMania moment. That was going to be his big debut of his new finisher, in my opinion. How would that have gone if he'd hit it? I think that would have been the game changer if he hit it. From what I read about it, it, it was never supposed to be a finisher. It was just supposed to be this colossal attempt. Because... Kurt Angle matches are a lot of them were always very similar in that they were always epic. Yeah. Right. Kurt Angle had a style is that once he became a top guy, um, when he fought other top guys, uh, he never put you down, never took one Olympic slam. It was never one ankle lock. It was never one whatever. There's always the dueling finishers. There's always, I'm going to do your finisher. You're going to do my finisher. And that was the next step beyond is that then what can these guys do? Uh, to finally put each other away because they if you remember that match they beat each other within an inch of their lives oh yeah with every big with every big suplex and move they could put together so then it was like that was supposed to be the big thing yeah right now i don't believe that was ever that was never supposed to be brock's finisher his finisher was always going to be that five five, yeah it was just yeah it was just to show off like in his back pocket something he could do if he needed to Absolutely, this giant crazy thing. I, it's it's wrestling and comic books are the same in that way, where it's like, oh my god, what else can Superman do to finally defeat there you you know, go. this evil entity, and then does this crazy thing that's like, oh my god, we can't ever do that again, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear yeah. you. Cool, man. Cool. Awesome. 
Well, again, man, hey, thank you so much again for taking the time out this week, for chatting with us. It's always a pleasure. You're always welcome back in the program anytime. And uh, just let me know what's coming up with you, man. All right, I'm going to come back. I'm going to rewatch the rundown, and then we're going to talk about it next time. Oh, no, let's do that. Let's, I, will, I will absolutely go back and watch the rundown again, and maybe my opinion has changed, and uh, we'll see. <laughs> right on, buddy. Awesome.